So I can't remember who it was, but like Harold Reynolds was on the mic being interviewed and he was a manager in the game. And somebody challenged in the fourth inning of a seventh inning game. He's like, no, don't do it. Uh, well, you got it right, but like I can't we don't get another one. You now get it, the, you don't get it back. Yeah. Is there anybody there? <laughs> What's up, Dad Hat Crew, and welcome to another episode of the Dad Hat Chronicles. My name is Ed, also known as the Dad Hat, and this week I was joined by Sam Dykstra. Sam is, his official title, is reporter for MLB Pipeline, but you may also know him as one of the co-hosts of the show before the show, the official podcast of Minor League Baseball. Uh, on this episode, uh, we go into white baseball, right? I asked him that question when we started the episode is white baseball, right? Because we have an opportunity to fall in love with all the sports, uh, but why specifically baseball? Uh, then we also talked about uh, him growing up as a fan, uh, how he got started working with minor league baseball. And then finally, guys, my famous not so famous questions. One day I'm going to win an award for these uh, famous not so famous questions. I don't know which award. It is an award. Uh, but before I give you guys the episode, do me a favor, um, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and as well as uh, give it five stars. This way, uh, more people get to hear the episode just like you enjoy as much as you do, right? Uh, and then also head over to my YouTube channel. I am putting uh, some content there for all of my uh, dad hats that I have, right? Um, we have the uh, Dad Hat Chronicles uh uh, sports show uh, that way uh, you guys are always in to know when something is dropping all right so now that i got all of that fun stuff out of the way guys i'll give you the episode all right well hey thank you guys for joining me for yet another episode of the dad hat chronicles my name is ed and with me guys i have what is to be someone who i follow uh who has a wonderful podcast uh, it's you guys may not know it may or know it i don't know you guys decide for yourself uh but i have sam dykstra uh, here today he um is also one of the co-hosts of a wonderful podcast called the show before the show how are you doing today my friend Doing well. Thanks so much for having me, Ed. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. So, uh, and, you know, want to make sure that this is as uh, easygoing as possible. So I just want to get to know, uh, you know, why baseball, right? Like, you know, everybody's like, you know, there's football, there's basketball, there's hockey. Heck, I don't, I won't begrudge you, you know, ice skating, you know, what would, uh, why baseball though? Yeah, I think for me, it was the time I grew up. I, I grew up in the 90s uh in massachusetts so i had two incidents and they were happening kind of concurrently that really pushed me towards baseball one was mark mcguire sammy Sosa year you know uh, michael jordan was happening off to one side and i loved basketball and i loved everything about basketball uh but the fact that here were these guys chasing the actual home run record that being told growing up was never going to be broken uh was really special and that that season really hooked me in and the other was pedro martinez seeing pedro martinez pitch every fifth day for the Red Sox, which, you know, was my home state team was really special. And I grew up thinking, I knew Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, were, what they were doing was historical. I thought Pedro was just the best pitcher in the game. And there was always going to be somebody like him. And then the, the older I got, the more I researched, like, no, there really has not been a guy like this, maybe since Bob Gibson, or you can go even further back if you want. So, you know, Pedro was like my Spanish name in, in class when we had to choose one. <laughs> 
I had to write an essay once of like, what celebrity would you want to be for a day? And I'm like, Pedro Martinez, because I want to throw a curveball and a changeup like that. And, you know, watching the the 99 All-Star game in Fenway, seeing him strike out guys in those first two innings. It just, there were so many legends of the game at the time. There still are now, but it, it was just, it was building its own mythology around me. And that, that really got me hooked. Interesting, your, your own mythology. I like that because... Like you, uh, you know, raised throughout the 90s. I still remember to this day that McGuire, you know, Sammy Sosa, like that battle, that hooked all of America, right? Like, I mean, it, everybody knew about it. Like, if you even were just a casual fan, you knew Sammy Sosa, you knew Mark McGuire, you knew what they were doing, You and then you were on one side or the other, other fans out, who was going to break it, who was going to be the winner and all that. So I, I completely understand as a Cleveland fan, I also understand uh, Pedro Martinez. Um, you know, he did hurt us a lot uh, <laughs> during those uh, during those years. Uh, it, it, but he's like, you know, he's that one character. Like now that he's retired, like you still want to talk to him. You still want to see him uh, because he's he he he's like its own you know gravitational pull on him, right? You know, when you watch him uh, analyze baseball, which is amazing. Yeah, I mean, nobody understands pitching like he does. And the crazy thing about it is if you watch some of his breakdowns of like, hey, this is how he should be throwing a changeup. Pedro has such big hands for his size. The way his hands like wrap around a baseball is what caused that lack of movement on, on the changeup or the movement on the curveball. And it's just not reproducible. Like he can talk about the game with everybody. But he was one of one. You just don't get guys that short being that dominant. And that's what makes it all the more special in retrospect and what made it special at the time. Let me ask you this. So have you have you gotten a chance to meet him in person? I have not myself. I think we crossed paths briefly at a draft. Um, I, I used to go to cover the draft when it was held at Secaucus. He obviously works for MLB Network, so he was like in the room. But I was doing a job. I was yeah. about to run across the room and be like, excuse me, Pedro, I have so many stories I want to tell you. Uh, so I didn't then, but I would love to at some point just to pick his brain about what that time was like for him. Cause it was one thing watching as a kid, what was it like actually going through that? So, you know, I'm hopeful someday. One day you'll get to do that. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. So, uh, you know, let's go into what you do now, right? Because uh, you currently are, you know, you work for, Technically, is Major League Baseball right now because Major League Baseball is parent company of you know Minor League Baseball, correct? Yeah. So actually, I, I work for MLB.com, which is under the Major League Baseball. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. I there was a time where I wrote for the MILB.com site. Um, that changed about three years ago now, where I I write almost exclusively for MLB.com. Gotcha. So let me ask you, as far as because you know I see you know I I did like I said before we started we did a little bit of research on you. You've done your your fair share of uh, reporting and and you know even you did some uh, contributing editor for Golf Digest Ireland and all that stuff. So like, why writing? Right? I mean, everybody has their own way of trying to get into the sport. Uh, for you, is is writing? So what? Why? Like, are you looking to do like you you like storytelling? You like you know putting that into into words? What what gravitated you towards that? I mean, it, it kind of evolves in a way for a lot of writers, I think, have this path of at some point you realize you're not going to be a player. And for me, that was <laughs> when I was getting hit three times a game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all have that moment. Right. And that was pretty early on for me. I, I could not stand in against the fastball. And that was just I liked watching. I liked breaking down the game. Uh, I used to both entertain and probably annoy my parents because I would just be like commentating on the game and would would take so much joy of saying something and then hear 
Don Orsillo or Sean McDonough or Jerry Remy say the thing I had just said on the TV. So I'm like, all right, I'm on the right path here. I'm seeing some things that seem to be cool. And I, I realized the irony of saying this with a mic in front of me and on a podcast, but I'm like, I don't know how good of a talker I am. I can write about the game. I can break it down. I, I love watching it and figuring that out afterwards and talking to people about it, but making that my full-time job of announcing a game. I don't know if I want to do that. So the next thing was writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and writing is something I, I do enjoy. Um, I was actually a better math guy in high school, but finding those stories is my favorite part of this job. I do a lot of prospect ranking stuff now, and it's a lot of hard analysis, but talking to guys, finding out how they got there, how they've changed along the way. I love storytelling. That That's one thing I really got into this for. Um, so getting that opportunity at the minor league level is super special because the audience generally does not know the background of these guys. And that's, and when I was, and I listened to the podcast, right. And then when you are um, asking these questions that, you know, they're like, sometimes it catches the, the, uh, the person that you're interviewing kind of off guard. I was like, Hey, how do you know that? Like, like, how'd you find that out? I'm like, so that, that aspect, right. I'm sure you have to love that. The research part, you know, you know, going in and just spending hours trying to look for something in order to bring back into your story has to be something that, you know, you have to love. And if not, you're not going to be able to be good at that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Ed, I'm sure you go through this with the amount of people you talk to. We Mm -hmm. were talking about this before of like, how much do you research before an interview? Because you want to find out new information. You want to hear it from the source themselves. It is better for them to tell it in a first person point of view than for you to be like, I have everything I need. Then they're going to be like, why am I talking to you then if I, if you have everything? Yeah. Um, On the other hand, you want to show like, I know something about you. I'm bringing something to the table here. So it's that balance in interviews, especially in a podcast format where it's all about audio. It's all there. You're not picking and choosing quotes. Every answer is the product itself. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it, it can be a balance at times. I like doing research. I like trying to show like, Hey, I know a little bit something, but take me further. Go even further than what I found. Give me some Um, more. Give me, give me some meat into that bone. Yeah, because anybody could find this if they yeah. if they had the time and set aside the time. They could find your chase rate. They could find your walk rate. They could find your fastball velocity. But give me that extra thing. What it, what that justifies our conversation? Yeah, and let me ask you and answer however you 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 uh, you want to see this. Like, but I I you know when you are interviewed because I I hear your interviews when you have your, with your players and all that and. There, ha- there are some good interviews, right? Like I'm mean, some good interviews, like very interactive. And like, you have people that are like, all right, you ask that questions and then you have a full conversation on just one question, right? But there's sometimes where uh, you have a situation where it's a little bit harder, right? A little bit tougher for you to pull information um, from from the person that you're interviewing. Like, you know, how do you adapt to that? Like, because everybody has their own way of doing it. What for you, what is your way of just pulling that information? Yeah, I think, you know, I I come into interviews with a few questions handy, like this is stuff I absolutely want to get to, or this is how I want to establish the conversation. Mm -hmm. But I think the best interviews are hearing something unexpected and taking that turn, going with it. Because if you're just like, all right, I have 12 questions, I want to get to them. You said something interesting, but I have to get to seven before we can come back then the audience is going to lose you too because they're not yeah. looking at the questions. Yeah, They're hearing the conversation. They want to know more about that. So I, I'm the audience stand-in in mm-hmm. many ways. That's how I view myself of like, hey, if you're shouting into your podcast device at home, hey, what about that thing? I want to be the guy to ask it for you so you get that answer and you learn something along the way. You're like, you know, can you go back to that one question? Because that was really yeah, right. interesting. 
Right. Because you know, maybe the listener themselves, if they don't like the next question, they're going to fast forward. And I don't want them to do that. No, you're absolutely right. Like, I mean, that's the same thing with me. It's like, I don't want anybody to want to, you know, for example, talking to you, I don't want anybody to be like, all right, now let's move it along. Or yeah. can you, well, I wish you would have asked this question kind of situation. So uh, I get it. 100%. I get it. Uh, let me ask you, as a fan of, of the game, like, you know, do you find yourself um, rooting for one team or the other now? I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's a little bit more difficult, but like, do you still have that one team that you will always root for, like the Red Sox? Yeah, I mean, it that kind of goes away in yeah. this job, it, it just for objectability reasons. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're trying to stay objective. I'm not going to be like, oh, I, I need to cover the Red Sox this week because that I want to get closer to a Red Sox prospect. I don't want <laughs> yeah. anybody to ever think that. Now, that being said, you know, all my family, a lot of my friends are from New England still. Mm -hmm. I get more questions about the Red Sox than I do any other team just from the people I'm close to. So I am following them still. You know, there's still that part of me that's still a 12 year old or a 14 year old who watched the 2004 World Series and got excited. Uh, you know, my home, my uh, childhood bedroom still has the green monster painted on the wall. That's like, awesome. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to say like I root for a team because I don't do that. Uh, I'm more interested in storylines. I want baseball to be the most exciting, interesting sport it can be. So that's what I'm rooting for, actively rooting for. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on the socks and the standings. That's just the way it works. Um, because there's still going to be a part of me that wants the people in my life to be happy. Yeah. Like you want your friends to be happy just because if they're not happy, that's just, yeah. Then I'm the yeah. one who has to deal with the questions like, and I, I, I don't work in the front office, so I don't know what Craig Breslow's thinking when he makes X signing, but it's like, tell us like, guys, you guys know, I am so far removed from like the Red Sox organizations. So it's like, I can't do anything about that. Right. Right. <laughs> I get it. I get it. So why, but why minor league baseball? Like, you know, why that? Because I, I and, and I want to ask you a two part question because I, you know, I, I love minor league baseball. I think it's, you know, I, as far as baseball is concerned, this is how you really get to know America, right. By really going into these small towns or like Northwest Arkansas, right. You know, the naturals or uh, you go all the way up to uh, Seattle or anything like that, right? Like, so minor league baseball is great. Why that? And then in your opinion, how has the sport evolved, you know, into what it is today? Uh, and do you, do you see it evolving more or not? Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll take the first part first, obviously uh, in terms of like why minor league baseball for me, there's, there's two parts to that. One is I was applying for sports jobs everywhere. Like when I got out of college, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's really the brunt of it is I, I was looking to latch on wherever I could. I applied to like cover high school sports in South Dakota, um, you know, wherever it would take me coming out of college. Cause that's just the way it works. Uh, and minor league baseball was the first one to reach out. That being said, they reached out because I had been covering baseball. I worked, I interned at WEI.com was covering the Red Sox in college uh, for multiple summers. So I had a, a bit of a baseball background already, but like what first got me interested in minor league baseball, and this is still a torch I carry to this day, uh, was growing up in Western Massachusetts. We didn't have a minor league team that close. The Red Sox were technically the closest, but the Pawtucket Red Sox, then Pawtucket, now Worcester, mm -hmm. were about an hour and a half, two hours away. And the games were cheap. They were accessible. I had a birthday party there. We brought a bunch of my friends. It did not break the bank for my family. Um, I used to, if anybody's ever been to McCoy, there is a high school football field right next door and there is a press box there. And I used to have these dreams as we were walking back to our car. What if I just like camped out there for a summer? 
Like I just broke into the press box and slept there and watched the games from the press box. It was just like that kid-like dream that I had, but it was like, this is baseball at its purest form was games at McCoy stadium. Um, and being able to carry that now and tell those stories for people who are going to games, like you said, in Northwest Arkansas, in Tacoma, in El Paso, in Portland, Maine, all four corners of this country is really incredible. And Canada, we got to include the Vancouver Canadians. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like, I, I think about that little kid who are, who is doing that now in Pensacola or Chattanooga, all over the place. Like there are mm-hmm. all sorts of little kids like me who want to know more about the miners. So I, I, I love being part of that process. Um, in terms of how the game has changed since I first started covering it, there is a wider interest in minor league baseball than there ever has been. Uh, you know, that more and more people want to know about the next generation of stars. And that's because they're more accessible than ever. Social media has mm-hmm. affected that. You know, imagine Jackson Churio just signed that extension with the Brewers. And a lot of people in Milwaukee had opinions on it. Rightly so. They're very excited about that player. He's only played a handful of games above double A. Imagine that happening in 1985. Like, it would be like, what are we doing? Why are we signing this guy? He hasn't played much. Instead, it was embraced. There was enthusiasm because they're like, here's a star who we know about. Mm -hmm. So I love that thirst for information. I love that hunger for people. And that makes me better because I like, I want them to be better informed myself. Yeah. And you're right. I think that with the, with the growth in interest in when it comes to minor league baseball from different aspects, right? Like you have like someone like myself who is like, I collect a lot of hats and all that. Right. So I have that. Right. So you always looking for the logos, right? I mean, even you guys have, you guys talk about it on your podcast, right? You know, where like, I was like, all right, this team just rebranded. Look at the colors, talk about the color coordination and you know, why did it choose this or that? Right. You know, my good friend, Paul Caputo, right. He has a podcast strictly just on the design aspect of minor league baseball. Right. So that aspect, I think it's, it has grown uh, the popularity of it. There's also the, like you're, like you said, it's like, you know, I want to go because one is accessible. Your family nowadays, you know, you know, buying tickets, food and all that, it could get expensive. Uh, so I think the accessibility of the sport has become a, a little bit better, not to mention social media, the TV, right? So you can watch it all online and all that. So that's, that makes it more interesting and a lot more affordable for, for families. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you talk about like, games being televised when i first started here there were a couple teams that were on milb.tv and it was great and then it was all of AAA, and then it all of a sudden it became hd and now there's like hd all across the minors there's a, it's gone the other way only a handful of teams now don't have games televised um so you're able to see jackson churio from single a all the way up to triple a you're able to see jackson holiday at every stop he's making uh and it's and for the most part it's in high quality definition it's not a minor league look some of these look like major league quality broadcasts yeah you know, there's still a ways to go I'm, I'm sure people at home are just like hey my local team's not great and i understand that but it's so much better now than when it was when i started in 2012 oh my god 100 like i mean comparing to like I, I can sit here and watch a canapolis cannonballers uh broadcast from the comfort of my home i'm a couple of hours away but i can still watch one of those games right you know or even triple right. a so it's that's the magic. It was like, you know, single A all the way up to triple A. That's amazing. I, I think you're right. I think it has come, you know, miles and miles. And I still we still are far away from, you know, reaching potential of what, you know, minor league baseball can be. Right. No, for sure. And, the, and speaking of technology, I mean, one other thing I want to touch on real quick is just the amount of data we have now on, on minor league baseball. Um, StatCast 
level data is available for all of AAA and the Florida State League. You know, I, I'm hopeful that that's going to expand in future years to the point where that's just publicly accessible for everybody. But teams have all that data now. You know, when I'm making calls for our prospect lists, I'm getting exit velocities, I'm getting pitch velocities, I'm getting spin rates, all that kind of stuff. And that helps make our coverage better, but also helps people understand the game better. You know, I can say Junior Caminero hits the ball hard, and that's what I would have written in 1995. Now I can say, like, hey, here's his 90th percentile exit velocity, and you can understand it so much better because it's up there with the Stantons and the Judges and the Otanis. Yeah, and, you know, there's video to back that up as well, right? I mean, yep. you have all of that, like, you know, StatCast. It's it, it's so much information. Uh, in, in your opinion, do you think that sometimes could be too much information as far as uh, the game is concerned? Could there be? Um, I, I don't think there's such thing as too much information. I think there's uh, a possibility where people don't know how to use the information. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I, Got it. yeah, there's a lot of screenshots now of baseball savant, which has the sliders, right? They mm -hmm. say like, this guy's 75th percentile, this guy's 90th percentile, whatever. And it looks good. It's great. It's a great product. I love it so much, but you have to take that next step. It's not showing you everything. It's only mm -hmm. showing you a couple of categories. So what is if he if the guy's you know sweet spot percentage is in the 75th percentile but he's only hitting 230 what are we missing you have mm -hmm. to take that next step and if you're a writer or an evaluator or an analyst you have to present that to your audience whether that's the front office whether that's a reader back home trying to figure out hey i'm going to a single a game tonight what do i need to know mm -hmm. you need to take that next step because if you're just blasting people with information then it gets to be too much and that's when it gets confusing and then you're you lose the interest of the fans at that point as well. It's like, oh my, you're just bombarding me with too much information. I need you to just let's reel it in or or give me some give me what I need to what I need. Don't give me don't you know oversaturate it with with uh, too much data. Yeah, and that that's true of players too. That's one thing I love asking players actually is like how how do you look at data? Are you just a stats guy? Are you a field guy? Are you looking at specific? analytics that you need to know if, if you're on track to develop the way you want. Um, some guys are like, I'm just on feel. I know I'm off, when I'm off and what I need to do to correct myself. That's how I got here. Some guys are like, I look specifically at my hard hit rate. And if that's not up, I try to figure out what's going wrong. Some guys are like, I just stick to slugging percentage. You know, it, it, there's such a wide array and every team. I think the goal should be to try to tailor it to the player. Mm -hmm. and not have an organization-wide philosophy. Now, you know, there, there are always going to be trends in the game. We're seeing more sliders and sweepers now than ever. That's being more effective. At some point, it's going to flip back to something else. Who knows? Um, but I think the more you can tailor make, like when I talk about audience, if you're an analyst for a team, your audience is the players. Mm -hmm. And the more you can, you know, tailor that towards that audience, the better. Yeah. Um Let's uh, let's switch a little bit here, and let me ask you. Uh, and I wondered if for someone who's worked in this sport, like, have you been a fan of so far of the rule changes that have been made in, in the sport? Uh, because obviously, there's there's a lot of you know people that are on both camps. Me personally, I've been I, I started. I'm like oh, I don't know, and then I'm like I actually kind of like these rules. Uh, where do you stand as far as some of those rule changes? Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about working in the minors, right, is that we get so many of these rules changes ahead of time. Yeah. So the idea of, like, last year being the pitch timer year for baseball, so I'm many like, people... Oh, we've been doing this for a while now. Yeah, yeah, this is just old hat. I, like, go into a game, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is just a minor league game now uh, for me. I, I've loved the pitch timer since we've had it. 
Mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be a process yeah. uh, because you need to figure out exactly how many seconds you want between pitches with a guy on, with nobody on, et cetera. Um, but the pace is just so much better. It's yeah. so crisp. You go to my early games now, there's a good chance it's going to be two hours and 15 minutes, which is like perfect. I think it's perfect. Yeah. You, I don't think you're paying for anything less. You know, there, there's some confusion of like, oh, I paid all this money. I paid for parking. Uh, you're You're getting the same action. And it's quick action. Yeah. And I I I love the pitch timer a lot. I like increasing the action on the base paths. Mm-hmm. The fact that speed is coming back to our game is really special. And I love that. Um, because getting to the time where we're there, you know, stolen base leaders had like 35, 40 steals, that dilutes the product. Yeah. But getting a guy Shit. like Corbin Carroll. Yeah. Yeah. Ronald Acuna Jr. stealing 70 bases. That's so exciting to me. That's huge. Uh, and it puts such a different pressure on pitchers and catchers in, in a way that I love. Um, in terms of like the automated strike zone, I'm a fan of the challenge system, mm-hmm. which is something that they used half the week last year in AAA. Yep. Uh, so for anybody not aware of that, the challenge system is umpire calls balls and strikes like normal. Each team gets three challenges per game. If you are successful, then you get your challenge back. The only person who can challenge are the pitcher, the catcher, and the hitter, and it has to be instantaneous. You can't just, like, do the whole hand up, let's throw it to the the manager, the manager's going to check, then I'll decide, all that garbage. This has to be instantaneous. It's like tennis. They throw the challenge up on the screen, ball or strike, game moves on 10 seconds tops. It happens really quick. That is a better way of doing it than just full robo-ump for me. Yeah. Because I like the human aspect. So do I, 100%. Yeah. Not only the human aspect of the umpire making the call, but the human aspect of deciding whether to challenge or not. Because that's one fascinating thing about watching these AAA games is like, hey, if you burn our third challenge in the fifth inning and you're wrong, we don't get it back. And now I resent you because there could come a ninth inning where there's a ball pitch right on the edge and it's called ball four. And I can't challenge because you used it up. So it's a fascinating dynamic. It's just a whole other aspect of the sport that we've never had before. And I like that. And it's still getting at a more accurate zone. Now, like the the, the zone that they use in AAA, they're still finagling it. That's yeah. why you're not seeing it come to the major leagues. It's still not perfect. You saw walks up. You saw strikeouts down in AAA last year. I think we're gonna. it's going to be a while until that happens. But once we get close to, quote, unquote, a perfect zone, I would love to see the challenge system come to the top level. And I, I love it because I was actually at a Durham Bulls game and I saw it happen – in, in in real time and it was like you could sometimes like if you weren't paying attention you would have not noticed that it happened because it is that quick uh that it happened so it's like you know like oh my god it's gonna take forever the challenge takes, no this is not that kind of challenge this is not nfl football this is not what it is it's like you literally the the player taps his helmet let's go challenge it boom done all right so it but i i like you said it's like i love that that chess aspect of it right like you're playing chess like all right should i you know should i challenge this i could potentially yes i can strike out or if i don't strike out then i have another one but if i strike out and it's still a strikeout i lose my challenge later on something more egregious can happen and i can't challenge it because i already ran out of challenges right yeah and i'm sure there there are times where there are guys whose egos get in the way yeah, you know, it's it's you're the first you're the leadoff batter. It's one zero, and you get a pitch that you thought was a ball, and like you want to be right about it. You want to be right about it so bad, but 
there's so many other guys you got to think about the rest of the way. So I love I'm that. sure the manager's chicken in his moment, like, please don't challenge. Please don't challenge. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had that in the Futures game last year uh, because the Futures game, they did not allow them to get the challenge back. So I can't remember who it was, but like Harold Reynolds was on the mic being interviewed and he was a manager in the game. And somebody challenged in the fourth inning of a seventh inning game. He's like, no, don't do it. Uh, well, you got it right, but like I can't. We don't get another one. You now get it. You don't get it back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now that being said, there have been games where you know there have been like sixteen challenges. You know, sometimes an ump just has a bad day, and and they can pile we on. All if the, you we're human, right? Right. Exactly. Which again, right. love the human aspect. That and I think that's what it is. I was like, I'm, I am all for um, some assistance, right? But I, I, I am truly a fan of having an umpire behind the catcher. That is the human aspect. There, there is going to be some errors, and it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. If if it's good reviewed and it's corrected, then cool. If you can't be corrected, then you know what? It's part of the game. That's just how, that's how it is. I think that's the beauty of the game about it too. Yeah. And I, and there, there's somebody accountable, right? Like if, mm-hmm. if a call gets made, there's somebody you are talking to. The amount of times I've watched a game that is full ABS, full robot ump, and some the batter turns around trying to complain and the umpire just points to his ear or her ear and says like, there's nothing I can do. It's, it's fully automated. There's... You want to complain to the league office afterwards? You can, but like, there's nothing I can do in this moment. File a complaint. Uh, I, I'm right. calling what I'm calling what I'm getting. Yeah, right. And that's just that's not as fun to me. Love it. Uh, let me ask you, for you as a fan, not not someone who worked for for uh, MLB.com or anything like that. Wh- which of the levels is your favorite level to like to watch as a as a spectator like is a single a double a triple a like you know Ooh. which is one of those levels that you like to enjoy to watch Ooh, that's a good one um i'm gonna say double a mm-hmm. because double a is that perfect mix where you talk to guys a lot you find out like double a is where it f- feels real mm-hmm. guys get called up from double a I'm a, i won't say all the time but it is a real possibility yeah, that you could completely skip over AAA and get called up to AA. So you have those young up and comers. You have some mix of major league guys who like ha- have had major league experience are, and are coming back down. But you might get a twenty year old like Jackson Holiday going up against a twenty eight year old or a thirty year old who has major league experience, and that's like the perfect measuring stick for the young guy. Uh, and you know we've long said the jump from high A to AA for that reason is the highest in the minors. So it's just that perfect mix of, hey, this is where the major leagues are a real possibility. You don't make it to double A by accident, but there's real quality baseball happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, there are prospects. There are major league guys. It's just it's a fascinating thing. I like AAA a lot because it's everybody there is trying to prove their major league readiness. Um, but you get some funky environments in the PCL. You watch a game in Albuquerque or El Paso and it's 13 yeah. to 11. That's a possibility. Uh, double A is, is just the right mix for me, I think. I like it. Yes. I've never really thought about it. Like, I wish there was more double A here in North Carolina, but, <laughs> you know, you're right. But there's, it's, it, it is, there's that good mix of players, right? Single A, you know what you got in single A right there. That's just, they're, that's it. They're coming in, they're prospect, you know, your, your goal is to get better and move up to double A. That's just the biggest jump there is. But like double A, you know, I, I can get with that. I can get down with that. Yeah, for sure. And and um yeah, I mean single A, high A, those are guys just they're there for reps. That's mm-hmm. what they are there for is to learn the game. And that is great and I'm glad it exists and I'm not advocating for it to ever go away, but like if you're watching it it can be a tough watch sometimes because it's they're very raw at that mm-hmm. level. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's that can be tough to swallow sometimes. Uh, if you ever get a chance to watch a complex league game, which is even below single A, it's going to look like high school baseball because some of those guys are 17, 18 years old. Um, they are learning the game. Now, that's the perfect opportunity to say, I saw a guy when. You can say yeah. you saw Jackson Holiday at, at single A, but they're not close to finished products. Double A, they're at least that much closer to being finished products, and they are trying to push for the majors. And I don't know if you cover this or not, but like, what about the MLB draft league, right? Because that's something that's also you know taken into a little bit of more popularity, right? A uh, little collegiate wood bat and all that. Like, what's your your take on that? Because there has been some, you get some good players there during that time period. They're like ready to get drafted by major league teams. Yeah, I mean, the MLB Draft League is something I actually I got to do their prospect game this year. And that's not quite all-star game, but it was like, guys, they wanted to get another mm -hmm. look from all the different teams in the Draft League. I got to call that game this year. Um, and that's that's almost – it's just an extension of the minor leagues to me. Yeah. Because similarly, in the minor leagues, you're trying to prove to your parent club you're worthy of a shot. The Draft League, you're trying to prove to all 30 clubs you're worthy of a shot. And it happens before the draft, now that the draft has been pushed back – uh, to July at the All-Star game. You know, mm -hmm. it used to be in June. So this affords these guys an extra opportunity. A lot of them are coming from colleges. Maybe they didn't get a ton of playing time in the spring. Maybe they weren't in the right situations. Hey, prove yourself, like you said, with a wood bat. And you're playing in former minor league stadiums. These are not... No, they like, got Mahoney Valley scrappers. Like, you know, that's... These are, yeah. Yeah. You're playing in places like Trenton, State College, and, and places that were minor league towns. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a great opportunity. I I grew up going to the Cape Cod baseball mm -hmm. league every summer. Um, my family would vacation. We would camp out in Brewster. Um, we would go to the all-star game for that. That was like top talent. The draft league is more guys trying to prove that they can be top talent. And you see that hunger in those guys when you talk to them. I There's something about, I don't know what it is that I love about collegiate Woodbath. That's just the popularity of it, obviously in the last couple of years has grown exponentially. Uh, and, and and there's just something about it that just it's so much popular, so much fun to watch. You're gonna get those like, oh yeah, they have a comfortable ten nothing lead. You know, two innings later, they're losing by five. You know, so it's like it, it it's just something exciting and fun. And you know, like you're gonna get those errors. You're gonna get you know uh, those players that are just they're there for a reason. That's why you're in 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 those collegiate teams. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, this is just another layer of what I was talking about before. If mm -hmm. there's any takeaway people should have from this conversation is that I think the minor leagues as a whole and the lower levels of baseball as a whole are just opportunities for fans to say, I knew him when. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to get to a point where somebody big is going to come out of the MLB draft leagues. Right now it's it's more org depth guys uh, and it's in, in its infancy. But like as that becomes more and more popular and it becomes becomes more of a destination, you go to see somebody there and you're going to be like, wait a second, he's now batting cleanup for the Yankees five years from now. And he got his start in Trenton in that MLB draft league. And it's just another opportunity for folks to say, like, I saw this guy before he was huge. You're right. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit before I go into my famous national fairness questions and all that good stuff. Uh, the the real serious questions, obviously, you know, uh, that's going to earn me a you know Pulitzer and all that fun. But um so let me ask you, uh, as far as like why you you had to enjoy the podcast, like doing the podcast, right? Because, there's you know, you're doing it, you've been doing it for this this long. And, you know, obviously it's like to me when I'm listening to the podcast and I'm at the gym listening to it is like I, all I hear is like just a bunch of friends just having a conversation about baseball. 
do I, am I right when, when I say that, like, you know, when you're, when you're having that conversation in the podcast? Yeah. I mean, 100%, uh, you know, Ben Hill and Tyler Mon, who are my co-hosts and Josh Jackson and Kelsey Hennigan has come on before we started as coworkers, but those, mm -hmm. those folks are my friends. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't just end at work. And I think any goal of a podcast, which we talked about before yeah. is to sound like a conversation is to sound like you are being included in a conversation. We're riffing off each other. We have 430 plus episodes of experience at this point. <laughs> you know, we're doing callbacks on things. We know the rhythm of how the other one talks. We know the jokes the other guy is going to make. Uh, and sometimes we still surprise ourselves. But we want that feeling of like sitting down at a game and just chatting about what you've heard that week. That's what we're doing. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. I, I love doing this. And that's why I love that. Cause I get, get to meet people from all over the U S uh, various parts of the country. And it's so much fun getting to know what they do, what they don't do uh, their favorite teams, things like that. It's just their quirkiness. It's, I think this is what makes podcasting so much more fun than anything else. Yeah. I mean, it's one of my favorite mediums going, uh, you know, I, uh, it's funny thinking the other day about this of like, I don't listen to the radio much anymore. Mm -hmm. But I have a radio in my pocket, you know, the whole like morning drive talk show that we all grew up with and still exists and still serves a purpose. And, and I'm glad it's still out there. But now we have access to that all the time and we get to choose who we listen to from across the country. You're not just stuck with your local, you know, whatever you can find on the dial that you can find your audience or find your favorite folks to listen to. And I'm really proud of what we've built and the people who have reached out like yourself who say yeah. they listen all the time. I, I'm honestly touched by that i love that people stay with us because we're a year-round podcast talking about minor league baseball which is insane like here we are in december still having things to talk about we do this week in and week out and i'm really proud of that you know what's funny and i'll say this uh this will come out in a, in a couple of weeks and all that but like uh, this morning at you know five o'clock five thirty in the morning i'm listening to the latest episode and and this is why the north with arkansas team was because like i was listening to that episode and yeah. to hear someone that i know like personally know uh, and I've spoken to is is an amazing person. When I hear the name Johnny Bolin being mentioned as one of the fans, right? Like I'm like, I literally wasn't was like in the gym lifting. I'm like, oh my god, I know him. Like I know Johnny, <laughs> right? And it's like that's like if if anything, that made my day right there. Just because like you guys are giving a voice to of fans like us. Just like yeah, I know that person. I I you know like I literally heard his name on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things that's happened in recent years, especially coming out of the pandemic, but going to ballparks now and realizing oh. I know somebody there. Yes. Like, yes. It's it, It's just like, oh, hey, it's great to see you. That happened so many times this season, wherever I was, Biloxi, Amarillo. You make these connections in this game. And like it's it can be for a variety of reasons. It can be talking about logos. It can be talking about D-backs prospects. It can be whatever you want. Yeah. There's so many touch points that allow people to be connected in this game. And to see that community up close and to be an active part of it is one of the most special parts of this job. It's almost, I, I'm telling you, it's it's great. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. So uh, you guys keep doing the great work because we absolutely love it. Uh, all right, my friend, are you ready? This is the hard part now here. I, I didn't prep for any of this. So like, I, I'm interested to see where this is going to go. <laughs> no one preps for this. So I'll give you an <laughs> there easy is no one. Prepping. No, there's yeah. no prepping. So I'll give you an easy one. Okay. Uh, when you go to the ballpark as a fan, uh, what is your food and drink of choice? Um, I, This is very basic, but it, I'm fine with that. Um, 
I like giving like a once around the ballpark, especially mm-hmm. these like 360 walkable stadiums, just to see what there's there is. Yeah. And then I always just go back to a hot dog. Like I, I, absolutely, I, it usually ends up just being a hot dog. Uh, I like sauerkraut. I like uh, ketchup. I'm a very basic person in that way. Uh, and then for drink, it's either a lemonade or a Coke. It depends on how much caffeine I need uh, for the <laughs> it game. It depends but, on yeah, the day, right? Yeah. Love it. I love it. All right. Favorite movie quote? Movie quote. Oh, boy. Um, uh, there's one from Inside Lewin Davis, which is my favorite movie, a Coen Brothers movie about mm-hmm. folk music in the 60s. Um and it's something akin to like it doesn't matter if you've played it a thousand times if it still sounds new it's folk music and it, there's just something about that with baseball mm-hmm. right like it, it so much of this can feel repetitive in a way of like oh it, all we're doing is changing names but it's still exciting you can have a player like Shohei Otani who's just like boy, we've had two-way players before he's not Babe Ruth necessarily but it's like we have to go that far back none of us watch Babe Ruth this is really cool yeah. and the game is changing in that way um so I, i'm going to go with that i'm sure i'm screwing up the quote exactly but it's it's from inside Lou and Dave so i highly recommend everybody watch that movie we'll do all right you ready i'm ready name one of the seven dwarfs uh sleepy Good why job. did i go with sleepy i probably because of I mentioned caffeine earlier. <laughs> Sleep I, I don't think Sleepy would come up in like the top five, but Sleepy just popped <laughs> up to my brain. So I like it. Worst job you've ever had. Worst job I've ever had. Oof. Um, I don't want to complain about this too much, but I was a basketball ref for youth basketball. Oh, and they, that's yeah. just completely thankless. Like I was a high school kid and you're refing seven and eight year olds. And you got the parents, parents yelling at you. Yeah. And there were times where like we were paired up and then the other person wouldn't show up. So I'm doing one game by myself and they're like, how did you not see that? I'm like, cause I'm one person. I am trying to float around this as best. I I just, it was for like 10 bucks a game. It wasn't even that great pay. I'm <laughs> glad I did it. I think people should do more bad jobs just so you know what's out there and how bad it can get and take your lumps. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when people like criticize a prospect list or some, some opinion I have on the game, I'm like, I can shrug it off because I've dealt with parents of seven-year-olds. I've heard a lot worse. Uh, I worked at fast food for, I did it for about less than a year. And I, I said, I'll never do it again. I get it. I absolutely get it. Right. Uh, all right. So is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat an animal cracker? Uh, Without knowing all the ingredients in animal cracker, like if there's something in there that I don't know, that's meat-based, I'm going to say no. It's fine. <laughs> Good job. You're Good not job. hurting like the tiger or the elephant or anything. They're, they're still <laughs> living it's out a there. Cracker. There yeah. you go. Last movie you watched. Last movie I watched. Um, last night, I saw the new movie on Netflix with Julia Roberts. That Now the name's escaping me. It's essentially uh, like... Yeah, I heard about this movie. Yeah, it's... What is it called? Uh, Leave the World Behind. Yeah. Director is Sam S. S. Mail. It's on Netflix, so anybody can watch it. Uh, just watched it last night. It's it's very interesting, very well acted. Mahershala Ali's in it as well, Ethan Hawke. Everybody in it is great. There's not a lot that happens, despite it being kind of apocalyptic, mm-hmm. uh, which I found fascinating. It has an interesting ending. I know a lot of people don't like the ending. I don't want to spoil it. Um, but it's just like, especially coming off the pandemic, what do you do when something big happens? 
and you're just kind of stranded on your own. Yeah. And it, it feels they're, they're stranded on long Island. So they're not in New York city. So they know stuff is happening in New York city, but they can't do anything about it. How do we react in those moments? What do we reach for? I think it was, a, it was a fascinating character study. Didn't the Obamas like they had some part in this movie as far as like, you know, uh, like coming up with the script or something like that. I can't remember if this was the movie that they, they worked on, but I heard it was this movie was like crazy. I know they have like a Netflix deal. I don't know if they were involved in this one specifically. Let's see. But, well, we'll find out. What was your nickname growing up? Oh, my nickname. Uh, this is very baseball. And it, uh, for anybody, again, who grew up in the 90s and the 2000s, uh, my screen name for AIM was, wow. was Sammy Ballgame. Wow. You just went was one I, I gave to myself because you gave your own screen name. Of course you do. Yeah. But I, I you know, being the baseball nerd that I was, I, I loved that Ted Williams was a Boston Red Sox player. My grandma had... Ted Williams story. So I always loved reading about him. His middle name was Samuel. So we had somewhat of a connection. There you go. And his nickname was Teddy Ballgame. And I'm like, I want mine to be Sammy Ballgame. So uh, that was one I had that I gave to myself. One that my sister gave to me because I had Rex Bex, uh when I played basketball in high school. She called me Rex. <laughs> R-E-X. And I uh, was in her phone as Rex. I still might be for all I know, but I was for a very long time. <laughs> Love it. All right. A couple more. And then I'll let you go. I promise. All right. Favorite Halloween costume. Favorite Halloween costume. Um, hmm. I had a couple, couple good ones. Uh, one that I I liked a lot, and this was kind of me being a hipster kid. Was remember the show Ed, Ed, and Eddie? Yes. On Cartoon Network. My name is Ed, man. I get it. My brother. Oh name yeah, of course, yeah. of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. God. <laughs> yeah, I went as Double D one year. Which, nice. like, I had to explain at every house in the neighborhood because they're like, you're just wearing an orange shirt and a black hat. Like, what What are you doing? And baggy, baggy pants. And I was, I was like, oh, no, I'm a cartoon character. And I just took great joy in that. Like, I was spreading the the gospel of Ed, Ed, Ed. <laughs> I was just going to say, you're spreading the gospel. There you go. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last, uh, last random question. But then I have a trivia challenge question for you after this. Okay. All right. First celebrity crush. First celebrity crush, uh, again, this is putting me in a very specific place and time, uh, was Topanga on Do Boy Meets World. Bro, yes. 100%. Yeah. Yes. I mean, she obviously was was very cute to a kid who was like in middle school, uh, but she was also very smart. She had a great personality. Uh, I saw myself and Corey a lot, so I was just like, well, he won her over, so maybe there's a chance for me. <laughs> I have a chance. Yeah, there you go. I love it. All right, so. I got a deck of cards here. Uh, they're uh, Major League Baseball trivia questions. Okay. Last week, the the last interview that I had, I the question uh, that I had was, uh, what Brewer star record? Uh, Brewer star recorded his one thousandth career RBI in April of twenty eighteen. Okay, that was last week. Uh, the answer was Ryan Braun. So, but for you, my friend, here are you ready? I'm ready. What Orioles great hit is the only fair ball to ever leave Baltimore's Memorial Stadium? What Oriole yeah. great hit is the only fair ball ever to leave Baltimore Baltimore's Memorial Stadium? So who was the the hitter to hit a fair ball out of the I wish I knew my Baltimore Orioles history better than I do. I'm just gonna guess it was Brooks Robinson like hitting a home run in the World Series, something like uh, that. Frank Robinson. Frank Robinson. Oh man. You were close. 
I was but, close. But, yeah. I should have just said Robinson. It was Robinson hitting a home run. Obviously. Yeah, there they just say Robinson. I was like, yeah, that one. Yeah, there you go. So, but yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. I had a lot of fun. Uh, thank you again. Uh, you guys keep up the great work. Um, where can uh, people find you on the socials, my friend? Yeah, so I am at Sam Dykstra, M-I-L-B on Twitter. Um, I'm also that same screen name over on Blue Sky. I'm still trying to figure out what that is and how to use it best. But, you know, that's just another avenue to find me. We do come out with the show before the show every week. Uh, except for holiday weeks. Um, so listen in all the time. We're, we're talking about minor league news, what happened in the last week. We're previewing the season here coming up. Uh, and then all my work can be found on MLB.com, specifically at MLB.com slash pipeline or at MILB.com, the official website of minor league baseball. Perfect. Thank you so much. And then uh, we'll uh, see each other again sometime, you know, during the season. Yeah, anytime, Red. This was so much fun. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoy that episode with Sam. Now, make sure you guys are following Sam. Um, you guys subscribe to the show before the show. It's a really good uh, podcast that uh, really goes into uh, uh, the 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 world of minor league baseball, right? Uh, some of the players, that they, they talk to players, coaches, all of that fun stuff. You guys got to check it out, okay? Uh, before I go, a little bit of business here, guys. Uh, make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast as well as my YouTube channel. I am putting a lot of content there as far as uh, minor league baseball. Uh, and then obviously the Dad Hack Chronicle Sports Show with some of the content creators that you guys already know. Patrick Larson, Eric uh, Prophet, Mike Sellers, as well as Donnie Wise. You guys got to listen. It's a lot of fun. We go into all sorts of sports, not just uh, baseball, but uh, football, basketball, all the fun stuff. No tennis. Sorry, Mike. All right. All right, guys. Uh, so now that we got that part out of the way, let's go ahead and give you the dad joke of the episode. And here it is. What did one eye say to the other eye? Between you and me, something smells. All right, all right. I'll see myself out, guys. And until then, please keep grinding and always support the minor leagues. See ya. This podcast is part of the Curved Brim Media Network. Here are some of the other members of Curved Brim Media. I'm Paul Caputo, and on the Baseball by Design podcast, I talk to minor league baseball teams, designers, and other super interesting people about what these minor league baseball logos mean. And I talk a little bit about ice cream helmets. What's up, Bucketheads? I'm Anna DiTomaso, and each week on the Baseball Bucket List podcast, I speak with a different fan about their favorite baseball memories, what the game means to them, and what's left to check off on their baseball bucket list. Hey everyone, it's Eric from the great state of Kansas. This is Johnny from the New Orleans Baby Cakes Memorial Museum. And we are the Earn Fun Average Podcast. Where we talk to a variety of guests about their love of baseball and have fun doing it. America, lower your standards. Average is what we do best. This is Patrick. And Corey. Of BaseballMapper.com. And we have made an interactive map to help highlight all baseball teams from the majors 
down to collegiate summer leagues. We want to bring you closer to baseball, so get on the site and find a team near you today. Hey guys, this is Patrick Larson from the Minor League Baseball Hat History Series, and in every episode I go through the history of minor league teams through my personal collection of hats. You can find me on Twitter at at PatLarson1. I hope you guys enjoy. Learn more about Curve Brim Media at curvebrimmedia.com.